This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovic. I love Billy. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. That's a break there. Tommy Naga. No, no. You are joking! This kid is special. That is unreal. That is a true logo three. They look threatening. Oh, look at that shot. The distance is uh, just this unreal. This is incredible. He's beyond, he's inside the logo. His heels are inside the center circle when he's taking that shot. Awesome, awesome way to start on the block. Uh, as uh, Casey Tamanaga uh, yesterday went off in uh, in the game of against Australia, I believe, uh, for Japan. 33 points, eight three-pointers in the FIBA Asia Cup. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for uh, the Japan team, but in, in, in any case, eight three-pointers, including a logo three. That's a heat check if you want it. And uh, if you can see the video, and you can find it on Twitter, I retweeted it um, at Jake Bokovan, and it is, uh, it's deep. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's beyond NBA right and uh, hopefully we'll see more of that of course with the Nebraska basketball team there's not much more uh, to report uh, other than that it was just it's an awesome soundbite because Tominaga uh, went crazy uh, do you, what do you expect I mean I know it's been uh, I have I didn't give you a, like a refresher to look for this Nebraska upcoming football basketball season we're all kind of focused on football um, but uh, I believe before you've said you've got some you might drink some of that Kool-Aid as well yeah I haven't really decided yet I think they're going to be better than they were last season and and Strick and I, have, and I have talked about this pretty extensively that I don't think this is a team that's built or ever will be built for a five-star get-out-of-the-way. I, I just don't think that's Nebraska's bread and butter. I don't think it ever will be. They got some guys that, that can play, and I, I think as a team, as a unit, they'll probably be a little bit better this year. I'm not throwing shade that any of the players they had on – team last year because what three of them are now playing in the G league. So they're yeah. obviously you're doing something right to get them to the pros and Bryce McGowan's obviously drafted in the second round. It's looked pretty good there in summer league, but I don't know. They're in a hole. I, I, I <laughs> don't think they can get any worse. The, the only frustrating yeah. thing about uh Kasey is that, I mean, where was that last year, dude? Like, right. Other than the exhibition game against Colorado, where I think he did drop like 29 or something like that. And they beat Colorado and fans were excited. That's right. Other than that exhibition against Colorado, I, I just, we didn't see too much from him. And I, I don't know if that was maybe his lack of minutes. Maybe he wasn't able to defend at a, at a high level. He fell out of the rotation out of at the, the Big end of the Ten. Season. Yeah. So I, I don't really know what to expect with Nebraska basketball, to be honest with you. And I, I'll still stand by the point, Bach. And I know. A lot of Husker fans don't necessarily agree with this. Even if Fred Hoiberg has another bad season, but there's any type of improvement, like I'm talking like you win six or seven games in the Big Ten, you got to keep him. Yeah, it's it's, I, it's seriously. Again, football is very different. I understand. Yeah. There are standards. There, it, there's prestige. There's an expectation there. Basketball, if you're winning six to seven games in the Big Ten, it might be a slow build up to the top, but it's a build. 
Well, the you headed in the right direction, the right? The important thing you mentioned is standards, and that's where, um, you know, Nebraska is, is, is you kind of got to meet the standards that are outside of the program, right? And that, that's why at Nebraska, we'd love to see them this football team jump to eight to nine wins. but As they should. But that's why six wins might keep the job because outside of the Nebraska room, right, if you step, you take a, a step back, um, that's about where they're predicted. So you at least have to make where you're predicted. Nebraska basketball uh, last year with, with a five-star, the thought was, you know, from outside the Nebraska bubble was, yeah, they might make the NIT. That's, not even close. That's not going to happen this year, though. So, I mean, when you say six or seven wins, I think that will be probably more um, than they're predicted to begin with. So I, I do think that that might save his job, six or seven wins in the Big Ten, uh, and uh, because that's probably what could, are going to be the expectations from the outside. But I'll tell you this. This team's going to be really easy to point uh, to root for. Uh, I don't know if you saw Derek Walker, uh, part a key organizer, and yeah. having this, the Special Olympics a- athletes out there for a yeah. camp on Tuesday. Looked like those guys had a blast. Uh, and uh, sometimes I, I, I think that you know it's easy to report uh, you know the latest thing that Stephen A is arguing about, but sometimes <laughs> we overlook the good stuff that's going on. Yeah, and you're right. That's a very very cool moment. Uh, some other stuff uh, while we're on it, just want to want to shout out too. I don't know if you saw this JJ Watt because uh, I want to report the good. stuff. J.J. Watt uh, saw that one of his fans was trying to get rid of her J.J. Watt gear so that she could help pay for her grandmother's funeral. And he stepped in in, in a tweet and said, I, I got it covered. Don't get rid yeah. of that stuff. So J.J. Watt doing great things as well as Derek Walker. And then another thing that I, I, I that I question a little bit, and it's, uh, you know, coming off the heels of the ESPYs. Did you watch the ESPYs? I did not. Uh, not a big fan of Steph Curry. I'm not a big Rubs fan of him, and even the ESPYs over the years, eh, I yeah. don't know. It's kind of lost it for me. But the cool moment in the ESPYs for me every year, one of my favorite speeches is, of course, uh, Jim Valvano, the Jim, the Jimmy V speech uh, from the early I 90s. I did see that. That's Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And Dick Vitale this year won it, and so that's pretty cool. But I do, I mean, the, the numbers, it's just crazy to think about how the numbers have kind of changed um, that we're that you're getting in, in major pro sports leagues these days because you know when they when they throw out the number like last night Dickie V was saying um, since 1993 when the V Foundation started in the V Foundation and that speech is played every year and it, it's incredible and I, I just love what it's it very does. empowering yeah and and how could how could anybody be against it, right? We all know somebody that's been impacted or has passed away, unfortunately, from cancer. So it's something that a lot of people pitch into and is very big part of the ESPYs. Since its formation in 1993, they've awarded nearly $290 million uh, toward cancer research wow. and obviously impact. And that and that's, that's really great, obviously, stuff. But sometimes I think our, our numbers get lost in sports, right? Because... Today, uh, you know, Kirby Kirby Smart signed a new deal for 110 million. But you know, even closer to that is Kyler Murray uh, is going to sign a new deal that's going to make him 46 million dollars a year and is going to you know be close to that 290 million dollar contract. Well, I have to look what Kyler got exactly, um, but, but it was like 262. Yeah, it might even be more around that. than what they've raised since 1992. Three on an annual basis that gets the spotlight on ESPN or ABC or whatever every year. Um, and I'm not going after Kyler Murray, obviously, being like, hey, you should pay. You know, these are collective, uh, collectively 
Uh, just a lot of money uh, being yeah. thrown toward a guy that, you know, in this case, again, not p- picking on him, but hasn't won a playoff game, is going to get more than what the Jimmy V Foundation has raised so far. So um, Jimmy V doesn't pay me or have anything, you know, I don't have anything to do with it. It's one of my favorite speeches, but I would just say, you know, kind of consider that, and hopefully um, the people that, that have the have, have the means to do it, um, the athletes and, and, you know, the owners there. Now, obviously, the, the difference there is with a Kyler Murray, you're hoping for a big ROI, right? If you're the owner, you can return on that investment. Whereas obviously if you're donating to Jimmy V foundation, um, you're not, but hopefully, you know, you get the return in, in your heart. So, uh, hopefully that sort of thing. I just, I just, I, I, I think sometimes we, we have fun. We did have fun here on the ticket water cooler. Um, but sometimes in the sporting world, um, you just go, go quickly by, you know, what Derek Walker is doing out there, JJ mm-hmm. Watt. Um, and, and it, it deserves some, some light too. And, and, you know, it, it's, uh, changing lives out there, which is very important. Um, but we also need to get into uh, what sports show radios, you, you know, sports talk radio usually talk about, which is bickering. And there has been some bickering <laughs> between Pat Narduzzi and Mark Whipple. Uh, if you missed it the other day, Pat Narduzzi went on a podcast. It was seemed to be their, their first podcast. There was a guy wearing a cowboy hat. It was kind of strange altogether. But Pat Narduzzi, I don't know if he was what he was thinking um, because some of his claims didn't seem to add up, um, you know, mentioning that they averaged 10 yards uh, carry against Wake Forest. I think it was actually like less than three. Um, so it uh, it was just kind of interesting. If you missed it, though, uh, yeah. Pat Narduzzi said in, in, in many words that, that Whipple – um, his, he said his former offensive coordinator was stubborn and had no desire to run the ball at times and was talking about how that made uh, Kenny Pickett even more uh, respected, in his opinion. What was kind of difficult about Pickett's season was that defensive coordinators knew, okay, he's throwing the ball. There wasn't much respect for the ground game, um, which is interesting. Uh, because as, as you look at the numbers, again, sometimes that's not supported as much. They did pass more than they threw. When you have a Heisman candidate, that's what you're going to do. Yeah, um, it's simple as that. I mean, Mark, but that it also when you hire Mark Whipple, like I don't know what Pat Narduzzi expected. He when Pat Narduzzi signed off or or sent sent the little message uh, when Mark Whipple took the Nebraska job, he mentioned he took our heavy run offense into one of the best prolific passing attacks in the league. When Nebraska hires Mark Whipple. You expect to pass more. That's what. That's kind of his craft. He's, he's gotten wide receivers over thousands yard. You know, more often than not, he's gonna pass. He's, he's got a Heisman the candidate, right? Um, so you know, I, I mean, I, and I can respect Pat Narduzzi for um, being the defensive minded coach. I think that's kind of what it played into. Of course, a lot of Nebraska fans can can remember around Pat Narduzzi's era as DC in Michigan State. Nebraska had a defensive-minded coach in, in, in Bo Pelini that would try to slow down the offense or kind of change, you know make make things easier or better on his defense, uh, which a hurry-up passing attack doesn't necessarily do. Um, so, you know, maybe in, in, in Fort It's Worth, too, Pittsburgh has moved on to an offensive coordinator that's going to probably slow it down a little bit and run the ball a little bit more. So maybe he's just trying to make things brighter on his team. Now, obviously those were the, those were the quotes that really, um, grabbed some attention here in, in Nebraska and as well. They shouldn't, we'll talk about those in a second, but what was Pat Narduzzi? Was he drunk? He also said that <laughs> the, the Pittsburgh, uh, should have, would have won the Michigan state game. He's calling out Michigan state who, you know, 
that's where he coached as a defensive coordinator. He should have some love there. He said if if Pickett was in there, that's worth 21 points, and they would have won that game. And then was saying that if Michigan State's one of the best that the Big Ten had, by the way, they weren't. They weren't Big Ten champs or anymore, anything. He said they would have won. They should win. They beat everybody in the Big Ten. That's what he said in, like – what are you talking about, dude? If there's a time right now Literally. for the ACC not to attack the Big Ten, <laughs> it would be Literally right, right now. now. The Big Ten's very stable and is going to be moving in the right direction. The, 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 you know, the ACC, you can talk about whatever it's worth for, for on-field competition, but it, it, it's scary time for the ACC. Uh, and the other thing, and, and maybe he's just trying to, to, to get more respect for their accomplishment winning the ACC. But the ACC is a little bit down when Pittsburgh and Wake Forest is your championship game. So I don't know if calling out the Big Ten, which generally has five or six top 20 teams, is bright. I Also, I mean, I guess talk trash when, when you can, when you're coming off the wins, but it's not like he's done great year in and year out at Pitt. They're mostly kind of a seven and six program under Narduzzi. Um, and, uh, I hate to say it. I'm a big Pat Narduzzi guy. I would like there to see are. a little bit more, but, uh, it just seems very, very odd. All the comments from Pat Narduzzi were very odd on that podcast. It was, it was very odd. And I think that's probably the best way to put it in. I, I want to dive into the numbers a little bit further, just to make sure that it's very clear that what he said was a little bit illogical, and I don't know if he really looked at it in depth too much because I'm looking at the game further. So the passing, they threw 34 times in the ACC championship game. They ran. I'm going to take out the sacks because I know that college football, they use sacks, and then it's yeah. against your rushing yards, which I think is a bit unfair. So we'll take those out. You had 33 runs. That's about as balanced of an attack as you can have. And, it, yes, maybe there were times when you would have rather ran the ball, but like you said, Bach, they averaged three yards to carry. Right. So, obviously, that that's going to change when you take out the sacks, but then you're going to bump it up a little bit. But it's still not like they were absolutely crushing it running the ball, especially on top of that because Kenny Pickett had a 58-yard run. So, you take that out. Like, let's not act like they're just crushing it on the running game. And on top of that, this is the most bizarre thing out of the whole situation. You're going to come at your offensive coordinator that, one, not only sent a guy to the Heisman finalist. He was literally a Heisman candidate. Went to the show. I don't know where they have, but he was a Heisman finalist, a candidate. Yeah, absolutely. You won the ACC championship by 24. And not only, let's not act like it was 24 to 0, your defense shut him out. You scored 45 points. So you scored 45 points. Your run game wasn't averaging nearly 10 yards a game, not even three yards a carry, excuse me, yards a carry, and you score 45 points. And your grand idea is to come at your offensive coordinator? It's just bizarre. And I'm hoping he wasn't drunk, but my God, like, (laughs) what are we doing? What's he talking about? Like, literally, man, like, what are you talking about? So I want Nebraska fans, I know there are a lot of Nebraska fans that saw this and were freaking out a little bit, but... Let's dive into the numbers. Let, let's look at the reality of the situation. We know Mark Whipple's going to throw the ball more than in years past. He has a quarterback that is built to throw they, the ball more. Yeah, they recruited they want a quarterback him, to pass. They literally recruited him for Mark Whipple's system. He is going to pass the ball more. We understand all that. But let's not look at the numbers and say Mark Whipple isn't running the ball. He ran the ball 33 times. There is a balanced attack. He scored 45 points in a conference championship game. I don't care if it's Wake Forest. They went into the game 10 and 2. 10 and 2, and you dropped 45 points? Like, it's just bizarre to me. And I want everyone to just take a second, take a deep breath. Mark Whipple 
is I, I believe the answer. He's a great coach. He's going to throw the ball more, and Nebraska's offense is going to be a hell of a lot more interesting to watch than when Adrian was here. I'll tell you that right now. Is it going to work every time? No. This is still a process. It's still going to take time, but it's going to be more entertaining to watch, and it's going to lead to more wins down the line. So let's just take a step back and, and, and not listen to Pat Narduzzi because he might be drunk. I don't know. Like <laughs> it, it's, it makes no sense. Well, No sense. And, I mean, we'll see how the results play out on the field, but I, I think that one thing is clear. Pat Narduzzi is, is up for saltiest coach of the offseason. If you remember, so. very upset with the Jordan Addison situation. As he should be. Probably not happy that he lost Mark Whipple. I mean, that probably is what goes into these comments. Is He's probably not happy. He's not happy that Mark Whipple took a higher-paying job in Nebraska. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously he lost Kenny so. Pickett, but it, it's just, it's very odd to then call out the big 10 and say, you should, they should win. They, they would win the big 10 on a yearly basis when dude, it's like the stars align for you. You don't, you, you didn't have much to do with Kenny Pickett developing into the guy you did. You're not going to have a, a first round quarterback every year. You're not going to have a Jordan Addison every year. And you're not going to have a Mark Whipple anymore. You're back to probably seven and six pit and you're off if that. talking trash again. And, and that's if that – and the thing is, too, when you do something like this, not only is it affecting the Big Ten, it's affecting your coaching hires moving forward. Like, if you see that Mark Whipple is treated this way, where legitimately you go to a Peach Bowl, which, like you said, Bach, consistently – Do everything you can to, to prop the program up. Do the ultimate goal, win like, the ACC championship. And you, are, you are a 6-6, six 7-6 six, six program. That is what you are if you're Pittsburgh. And much to the – Offensive coordinator's credit, and much to Kenny Pickett's credit, you broke the standard. You broke the stereotype. You won the ACC for crying out loud. Like, I, I know a lot of people like to hate on the ACC. I don't care if you're in the American. Winning a conference championship is cool. It's fun. Oh. It gets the fans excited. It gets the program to a position, heightens the program to somewhere we haven't been. Think of Nebraska. I know the Big Ten is different because the, the Big Ten is the cream of the crop, and normally if you win the Big Ten, you go to the playoff. Think of Nebraska won the Big Ten, even if they're nine and three, and you win the Big Ten. Like, think how much and how big it is for the program to do that. And for you to say this about your offensive coordinator that dropped forty five points in the ACC championship game, it blows my mind. And I think you're right, Bog. I think he's probably salty. I mean, you lose your offensive yeah. coordinator to a school that you went to the ACC championship game, and he leaves for a school that went three and nine. Like, okay, that probably would leave a sour taste in my mind or my mouth too. But, dude. Come on. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just bizarre. As Sandman points out, he complains about his ex-offensive coordinator out of one side of his mouth, but then he praises his quarterback as a 21-point difference in a game that they lost. I mean, he's still, he's, he just came out and said they'd beat Michigan State if they had Kenny Pickett. Like, okay, well, is Kenneth Walker playing into I mean, <laughs> very strange. And then starts talking about the Big Ten altogether. Uh, and then uh, Samman goes on and says, uh, so his quarterback is a 20-point difference than his ex, uh, that his ex offensive coordinator coach out of the other side of his mouth. Um, so it, it, it's, it's just it, very confusing stuff. Um, Pat Narduzzi, Salty, he's the, he's the old do- defensive coordinator, for, former Broyles Award winner for that 2013 right. Michigan State defense. He knows what he's doing defensively. And what I call his uh, program 7-5 and five, or 7-6 and six program. Uh, three 8-5 and five seasons. So he's more maybe 8-5. and five. Oh. Underestimating oh. Mr. Narduzzi over eight there. 8-5. and five. And don't you forget, Pittsburgh plays in the Coastal. That's coastal right. chaos, baby. Is that ending this year? Yeah, I'm getting lost on some. This is the last. This is year. the final. Don't year even get me started. Coastal chaos is awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. Uh, it it's is like getting rid of the Big Ten West. You don't get rid of the Big Ten West, right? And I think they eventually will. And it's, it's got its own, like, like, like you said, Coastal Chaos. It's its own brand. Big Ten West has its own brand, and uh, it's going to be sad to kind of see those divisions go. Uh, although you, the Big Ten West, uh, at least the Coastal, won a, a championship or two, right? But uh, yeah. yeah, well, the Co- I mean, obviously last year, and then. I'm trying to think. Well, the Clemson unfortunately is in the Atlantic, right. and they've ran it. And then before that, it was Florida State, who was also in. That's the why Atlantic, I thought it was pretty imbalanced, too. similar but to West and East. And when Big it Ten. first became a, a thing, I mean, Virginia Tech won three and four seasons, and they're in the Coastal. Um, there was a couple years there that Rick, it wasn't Rick Mi- no. Miami. I think might have won once. Yeah. Uh, Pitt obviously has this one now. Uh, UNC might have gotten one in there. I'm not entirely sure, but again, coastal chaos. It, normally, you have a team that's seven and five, eight and four, nine and three that wins the division, <laughs> right. which is awesome. And I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it was here forever, but unfortunately, not that. But basically, to wrap this up, I think there should be absolutely no stock into what Narduzzi is saying about Mark Whipple. Like, if you're a Nebraska fan and this worries you. I, I think you need to kind of take a step back and really look at the numbers and what Pittsburgh's offense did last year and how Mark Whipple did propel. Like, people forget Kenny Pickett was not a very good quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. like it took him time, and Mark Whipple was there basically since the beginning and coached him up, and he was kind of his mentor throughout the process. And I think he needs to be given a lot of credit for that. Will we get Casey Thompson for two seasons? If Nebraska has the success that I think they will this year, probably not. But it's nice to know that a Logan Smothers is in the room, a Chubba Purdy's in the room. Like there are guys in the room that Mark Whipple will be able to, to to coach up, and I just think that we need to really appreciate what Mark Whipple was able to do at Pittsburgh, especially like running the ball. They had sixteen hundred yards through three guys last season. Like like, like it's not act like they just weren't. They had more rushing yards than Nebraska. Well, they had, and Nebraska they, was a run primarily. I would say it was a run first team. A lot of that running was with Adrian, obviously, but I would say yeah. they were probably a run first team. Well, they finished seventy seventh again in rushing, under one hundred fifty yards per game. They finished uh, eighth in passing, so right. they're definitely pass heavy. And when you like break it, you know, break it down. I think uh, Sam McEwen wrote an excellent article that will uh, kind of hit on as well. Um, following this stuff is that I think he had the number like somewhere like 55-45. They are passing the ball a little bit more. But again, when you have the Bolitnikoff Award winner and a Heisman Trophy type quarterback, or at least a contending Heisman Trophy like quarterback, the only first round quarterback of this past year's draft, maybe you will pass the ball a little bit more. Shocker. Who would have thought? But again, that's, it just kind of depends on where you sit. And that's, uh, that. I mean, we'll get into that. I, I, I think Kevin Meyer it will be joining us for Thirsty Thursdays. If yeah. not, uh, we'll pick up the discussion kind of there because the only way that this does kind of alarm you um, is is how it translates to Nebraska, I suppose. Um, but I think it's a good thing. I mean, Narduzzi is talking as if Whipple basically ran the offense, right? And he said he's, he's stubborn. He had no desire to run the ball. Well, that sounds like he was basically running the pit offense. That's kind of what he's being expected to do here <laughs> right. at Nebraska. Right. And so I think that's uh, nothing but uh, good news, at least that he's got um, certainly some experience doing that. So we'll see if Kevin stops in for Thirsty Thursdays. If not, we'll just chug half a beer real quick and be right back and do some more sports <laughs> talk to get that Thirsty Thursdays in. I'm just kidding about that. He's here. He's, he's here. here. Okay, he's so Thirsty Thursdays will be next with Kevin Meyer of Meyer's Cork and Bottle. We'll jump into some more sports talk after that. That's coming up next here on The Block on 93.7 The Ticket.